Thank you for being with us this morning online and I want to talk about our indoor service starting next week. I want to make sure everybody knows there is a service for everybody. My wife and I were talking about this week and I kept saying there's a service for everybody and, and she was not sure that was accurate and I kept saying, no, no, there is a way for everybody to be a part of our service. If you don't feel comfortable coming indoors, then the online is still an option for you. Everybody can watch this at home or, or if they're on vacation. Uh, using our, our Facebook Live or the website or the app. And so there is an option for everybody. We are trying to do the best for the most people that we can. So we're excited the next week we get to come back. I forget how long it's been since uh, you've been in the building. Uh, we had a funeral here just the other day, yesterday. Uh, we enjoyed honoring Steve Porter. And, and as people from Oakwood came in, they looked around and said, I haven't been in here since March. And I'm like, oh, I forget. I've been here every day since March. And so it's no big deal to me. But as people are coming in and being part of the building again, I can see the joy on their face. And so there is an option for everyone. If it's not the time for you to come indoors, then watch from home. But we've also provided that room so that people can come together to watch. It's a, it's a viewing party. And uh, that room is specifically for people who want the masks on at all times. Well, they can do that together. You can be in a room with 10 to 12 other people and enjoy some fellowship, uh, but, but in the safety of that. There's going to be a separate entrance for you that nobody's using and there's going to be a private bathroom that nobody else is using. And so for those people, we, we hope we are making a way for you to join us at the church and close as possible to keep you as safe as possible. For the rest of the church, we can come in here 135 at a time. We have two services planned, but it is crucial that you just RSVP those seats. We don't want to have a situation where we're overrun here with numbers uh, in one service and there's too many open in the next service. We want to balance that out to serve you best and also be prepared in case people come from the community that know nothing about our, our uh, reserving seat process. We want to make sure we can serve them as well. So we ask for your cooperation. Everybody get online and, and just save those seats. As Pastor Shane explained, it won't take long. We made it as simple as possible. And so we encourage you to do that. Well, this is Love Week, so I want to ask, what you doing? What you going to be doing this week? I hope you have some plans. My family and I have some plans this week. We're excited, taking some whole days to help and serve people. And so I pray that you've got a plan and there's still time to come up with a plan. There's still time to be a part of something. Serve. I'm asking that when you serve, you, you wear the love shirt and take a couple pictures and share them with us. Send them to pd at oakwoodcc.org. And uh, with those pictures, send a little explanation of what you were doing, what your love project was. That way I can compile that and just say, here's what Oakwood was involved in. So do that this week. Soon you get those to me, we can put together a little uh, presentation of those things. Well, this is our last session of When Love Comes to Town. And so we're going to pray and we're going to step into the last uh, sermon on this series. Let's pray together. Would you pray this prayer? Just take some time to say, God, if there's anything you want me to hear this morning, I'm willing to listen. God, if there's anything you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. God, we pray that you're glorified. I pray that everyone hearing this would be edified. I pray that Satan would be horrified. In Jesus' name, amen. The big idea for this day on Sunday, end of July, the big idea is everlasting love. A decision requiring intentionality and effort. A forever love, an everlasting love, a love that endures forever. 
That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And that's what everybody truly deeply wants. We want to know we've got a love that will not quit. A perfect love, the Bible talks about, where there's no worries, there's no fear, and there's no loss. An enduring love. Julie and I were talking yesterday as we were driving, and out of nowhere she just says, you know, there's never been a time in our marriage when I was worried that this thing wasn't going to work. I thought, wow, that's kind of weird. Where's she coming from? What was she thinking? What did I do <laughs> to make her think about this? But she just, she just was sharing with me that there's never been a time when she thought that this marriage of ours wasn't going to work. I think that has a lot to do with our mentality going into marriage. Divorce wasn't an option. We were going to stick with it no matter what, even through hard times or lean times. And so through all of that, Julie told me yesterday, there's never been a time when I thought, oh my, this is not going to work. I'm not saying that it wasn't a lot of work. I'm sure Julie had a lot of work to deal with me at times. But that gave me some encouragement to know that Julie knew that this was going to be an enduring love. A love that would last forever. Defining love this morning, I want to bang this back to the definition I gave. Love is selfless, willing, sacrifice. Those three words. Selfless, willing, sacrifice. For the good of another person, and even when that person doesn't deserve it, and without expecting anything in return. That's love. Selfless, willing, sacrifice. As we think about that today, we're going to talk about that kind of a love, that definition of love that is forever. Our key verse this morning, found in Jeremiah 31.3, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Friends, I'm going to start this message out by letting you know that God's love for you is forever. God's love for you will last. God's love for you endures. I love that. You need to have confidence in God's love for you today. Matter of fact, uh, without an audience here, it's hard to do this, but I I was thinking of this great psalm, Psalm 136, where the writer, some kind of a song, maybe a a repeat after me kind of a song, or some kind of an audience participation song, where the author gave a line, and then the whole audience would reply back with the same reply, his love endures forever. I'll read a little bit of it this morning, imagining that there's a crowd here being able to echo back. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. To him alone does great wonders. His love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens. His love endures forever. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. His love endures forever. Who spread or who made the great lights, the sun to govern the day, his love endures forever. The moon and stars to govern the night, his love endures forever. Later in the passage, he says, he remembered us in our lowest state, his love endures forever. And freed us from our enemies, his love endures forever. He gives food to every creature. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. I think the psalmist knew that it would be important for us to have that phrase stuck in our minds. Our God doesn't quit on us. 
Our God's love doesn't stop. Our God's love doesn't say, this far, no further. No, our God's love endures. It's an everlasting love. God's love for you is locked in. Went and got this lock this week, biggest one I could find so I could show you. I think every one of us wants a love that's kind of locked in, that we can count on. It's locked in and and it's guaranteed. And you know what? God just then throws away the key. Boom. It's locked. It's good. It's signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. It's that kind of love. By the way, last night I was sitting by my little fire on my porch and I was playing on my iPhone, I was just playing love songs, top 50 love songs of all time, getting pepped up for today. And all these love songs were wanting that very same thing, a love that was locked in. Got some pictures to show you. I don't know if anybody's ever been there, but in Paris, France, there's this bridge and it's called the Love Lock Bridge. It took that name later, but the Love Lock Bridge, I don't know if you can see it there, but this is where people uh, have come to declare their love together. And, and couples come to this bridge and they actually bring a lock and they write their names on the lock and then they lock it to the gate on this bridge. And there's thousands upon thousands of locks all over this bridge. People wanting their love to last forever. It's locked in and it's there and there's something tangible they can say, it's going to last. We're gonna, it's going to be locked in. Interesting, so many people did this that eventually Paris had to come and remove all these locks. You see these workers there working on picking up. The reason why? There was so many padlocks that the weight equaled the weight of 20 elephants on this bridge. And that just couldn't bear up under the weight. It was literally destroying the bridge. That's a sad thing. We live in a fallen world. And, and even in this silly illustration of people trying to lock in their love, have something tangible, it has to be taken down. Isn't it like that? This world is like that. Everything gets ruined. Everything gets destroyed. Everything gets carted away. Oh, if you've put your lock on the love lock bridge, I'm sorry to tell you that it's gone now. <laughs> but you have a love that endures forever, and it is from God. That lock, that seal was Jesus Christ on the cross. That's the greatest act of love of all time, that God sent his son to die on the cross for our sin, raised him again three days later so that he conquered death and sin once and for all. That's locked in love. It's done, it's history, it's something that's, that we have that's tangible. Jesus is our lock. He's our lock on God's love. Sadly, that's not the way we treat one another. I, just simple statistics. The divorce rate in, in the United States for first marriages right now, is, it's 40%. 40% of people that get married divorce. Second marriages, it goes down. 62% of second marriages end up in divorce. And then third marriages, 73% of third marriages are ended in divorce. And I am not uh, bashing, slamming, or attacking people that have, have gone through divorce. Nobody's walked through what you've walked through experience. I'm simply stating that this is the state of love in America. This is how marriages are, 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 are doing. 40% end in divorce. 
And it goes down from there. I will say this about people at Oakwood. I think actually that there's some second and third marriages at Oakwood that are defying all odds. And then, and they are doing some uh, overcoming. Uh, and they're, they're, they're making this not true, the statistic. They're breaking that uh, because they've come to understand an everlasting love. And there's been a change in life. And so by no means am I slamming anybody today or pointing out a failure. I just, it is the truth of what's happening Love doesn't seem to last forever between us, between people. We struggle with loving forever. So this morning, we're going to take us back to the key verse, the key passage of this whole series, 1 Corinthians 13, the love passage. It's an interesting passage. It actually was written as some kind of a song. We don't have it in in English translation. It doesn't compute, but in the Greek, it was some kind of a love. It made sense. It had a, a poetry to it. But there's a key verse in 1 Corinthians 13, 7, which is actually written as a chiasm, which was very interesting. The best way to explain it is the word like lovey-dovey. Uh, uh, every ending of every phrase in this verse ended with like a lovey-dovey. It, it, it rhymed in some way. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. We're just going to cover that verse today. Because a forever love has to, to look at this and say, do I have a forever love? Like God's forever love through Jesus, am I expressing a forever love to people in my life? A spouse, children, coworkers, friends, family. Am I expressing a God-like love? And I want to challenge you with that. Oh, this verse uh, 13, 7 in Corinthians, Corinthians, uh, there's so many translations to it. Some people have tried very hard to make it make sense in English. In the ESV, it says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. What's very interesting as I study this verse is that really there's four verbs, four verbs, not linking verbs. We're not talking about am, is, are, was, were, be, being, bad, have, has, had, do, does, this, I will show, it may, might, might, could. We're not talking about that. We're talking about four verbs, protects, trust, hopes, perseveres. The Bible is, is making a point here that love does these things. And so in, in order to translate it, uh, you see the ESV added the word things in there. Bears all things. Hopes all things. But actually, the translation, as you look at it, what it comes from, it doesn't really say that. It just really, it boils it down to the bare minimum, and it just says, the best way that I think to translate it would be, always protects all, always trusts all, always hopes all, always perseveres all. That's the best way to translate what the author was trying to say here. Always has to be there because it's forever. But then that all needs to come after that verb to say, when does it end? No, all all things. (laughs) Always all. It's always all. It's always protecting. Always trusting. Always hoping. Always persevering. Always all. (laughs) That's why it doesn't make sense in English. And that's why there's so many different translations trying to make sense of it. Adding words like things at the end of it to to, kind of clarify But this morning, let's walk through all four of these. God says to us what love is like. An everlasting love always protects or bears all things. 
In the Greek, the word used there, protect, is actually the same word as roof or shelter. Protects. A love that protects. It's a covering. You know, you get under a roof for shelter from the storms. I've got a picture of Corinth. It's not an actual snapshot. It's a drawing of what homes would have looked like near the Mediterranean Sea in Jesus' day. And they were these uh, probably rock structures near the water, probably tabby. They used a tabby. Uh, they used gravel and crushed up uh, sea things to, to make this hardened clay-type structure in between the rocks, and they built up. Uh, but interestingly enough, that, that roof would have been solid, and it would have helped from the rain coming down. It would have kept everybody inside safe protects. But then the other word is bears all things. You'll see in the picture there, there's a a little canopy up. Apparently, they did a lot of living on top of the roof. Oh, you got to go in the structure when the storm's there. But boy, those rock structures, it basically was a brick oven. They basically built pizza ovens to live in, and it got hot. And so people weren't living inside with all this heat. So they would go up and live on the rooftops. They would eat up there They would actually sometimes sleep on the roof because it would be cooler in the evenings. Interesting construct there. It's a roof that protects from storms, but it bears up and, and holds up life. I think it's both of those things. As we look at it, we need to know that our love needs to be a refuge, a refuge, a safe place. And it needs to bear up always, all. It needs a shelter and protect. That's the kind of love that God has for us, and that's the kind of love we need to have for one another. We need to protect one another. We need to bear up with one another. We need to come alongside people and lift their arms so they can bear up underneath the weight of this world. That's why the Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. We shelter and protect and bear up each other. We need to do that. Are you protecting those in your life? Are you being like that shelter and rooftop? A place of refuge, a place of protection? God also then tells us, an everlasting love always trusts or believes all things. This means expecting the best. Do you expect the best out of people? Are you always sarcastically thinking that they're out to get you. And that's hard. It's hard to think the best of people, especially when you've been burned. But the Bible says true love, an everlasting love, a forever love will always trust. Expect the best. We're not talking about being naive or gullible. I'm not telling you just to to believe all things uh, without any kind of wisdom involved there. But your first reaction ought to be to trust and to believe. This one's difficult uh, because we've all been hurt. God's love we can trust. I don't think anybody would get this wrong on a test. Can you trust God? Yes, he's never going to let me down. Can you trust God? Yeah, he never, he's never going to lie to me. But people do. <laughs> I know. I understand. Again, not naive, not gullible. But we need to have that mindset of loving others in a way that we believe the best. We, we expect the best. We trust them. Giving someone our trust is very difficult. 
But we need to do that. And yes, you will get burned. People that you think are your friends will turn on you from time to time, and that's hard to take. But that's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to trust and believe and expect the best of people. You know what? The one who is loved carries the burden to be truthful or to be held accountable to God. Let me say it again. The one who you love, that you put your trust in and you believe in, don't worry about if if you get burned. Don't worry about that. It's them. If you put your trust and believed in them and they let you down, then it's on them. They're the ones that are going to carry that burden. And they're the ones that are going to be accountable for God. But, but we need to be people who trust and believe, always expecting the best. Here at Oakwood, we, we, we have that phrase in our motto. It simply says, guided by grace. Grace is Expecting the best out of people, not thinking the worst. Expecting the best. And yes, we will get burned. I'm sure that God's been burned over and over again with people that said they loved him and then they turned their back on him. But he doesn't quit loving us. He hasn't become hardened and angry and in that way his love endures forever. This is hard truth, but we must be people that live, that protect, and that trust. Dr. Julian Rotter said this, people that trust live happier lives. They have higher IQs and are actually consistently less gullible. Sounds counterintuitive, but I think, think that she's right there. People that trust live happier lives. Well, if you've been burned a lot, you run around, you're, you're cynical. And you just think the worst all the time of everybody. And that's a terrible, a terrible way to live. It's better to love the way the Bible says to love and to give people our protection and to give people our trust and not worry about making sure they pay if they let us down. No, that's God's business. Let's let God take care of that and let's take care of ourselves and love other people with everything we've got. We've got to protect. We've got to trust. And then the Bible says an everlasting love always hopes. And the ESV translated the same way, hopes all things. Romans 8, 37-39, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a blessed hope. That's a wonderful hope. Love roots for victory in others. Love roots for victory in others. Biblical hope is more than a wish. It's confidence that God will do as he says. That's the everlasting love we look at. And that's that locked in love. God loves us. And we have a blessed hope. A glorious hope of an eternity with him. That we need to take that love and our love needs to hope. For the best for others. We need to live that kind of a hope. Hoping for the best, rooting for the best in other people. Is your love hopeful? Does your love look to the future and see nothing but bad things? Or does your love look to the future and sees that that things are great? People are going to grow. People are going to be more like Christ. Are you hopeful in our relationships with one another? We've got to have a love that protects. We've got to have a love that trusts. We've got to have a love that hopes the best. This is a positive Positive 
look on life. But we look to God as the example of that locked-in love. Lastly today, the Bible says, an everlasting love always perseveres. It endures all things. Ephesians 4, 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. I like the New Living Translation, how it says this. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Oh, we've, we all have faults. Friends, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not giving you a bill of goods and telling you to do something that's silly or foolish. I'm telling you the Bible tells us to do this because it's wise. It's the wise way to live for you and it will affect others in your lives. I'm not saying it's easy. People do have faults and people will let you down. But we endure the worst. Remember early on I said love expects the best, but it also endures the worst. When you get hurt, when people let you down because they're faulted, man, don't give up. Don't quit loving. Love does not say only this far, no further. Love is not limited to what is reasonable. We love beyond reason because our God loved beyond reason. He had every right to just smite the world and get rid of everything because of sin. Instead, he chose love. He chose the gift of his son, a sacrifice for our sins. Boy, that's an everlasting love, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that God does not quit when others become annoying or difficult to deal with. Aren't you glad that God does not quit? I am glad our God does not quit when I'm a pain. I'm glad he didn't quit on me when I was a teenager and running away from him. I'm glad he was patient and enduring. I'm glad that he had an everlasting love for me, a forever type of love, an always love, a locked-in love. He was not going to let me go. I'm thankful for that. And I need to learn to love like my father loves me. I need to endure the worst. I need to persevere all things. I am not saying here, and I want to make very clear, I'm not saying that anyone should allow themselves to be physically wounded. Sometimes love bears pain from a safe and legal distance. And if you're in a situation where you're being abused, we wouldn't want that to continue. But we hope that love would continue. I've seen it happen. I've seen couples that I thought would never remain married after a a disappointment, a fault, a sin, a wrong. And I've seen those relationships restored because love didn't give up. It persevered. Those are difficult, hard things. Unfaithfulness is difficult to endure. But God tells us there's a love that should last forever. His love does. And I'm thankful for His love. Is your love the kind of love that protects, trusts, hopes, and endures? I pray that you'll persevere in love. I pray that we won't give up on love. Endures all things. Endures all things. A couple of weeks ago, I met with our deacons and elders, and we were talking about coming back inside, and we were talking about all those awful words, required masks, requested masks. And we're not policing anything here. We're we're not calling in the sheriff to watch, and none of our elders are going to come with their, you know, their their guns showing. You know, we're not flexing. 
We're not going to demand people do. But I told our elders and deacons this. This is such a big issue that we can't put a mask on from that door to that door. We've failed as a church to teach what love means. And I know, I hate to bring up the face covering thing because it's so heated. But friends, from everything within me as your pastor, I cannot understand. I cannot understand why somebody can't walk from that door to that door with a mask or something covering their face for the good of other people. When we get here in our seats, we can take them off. We're distanced in here. But for 20 steps, for 20 steps. Oh, I know some people have medical reasons. But for 20 steps, I don't see why anybody couldn't just cover their face just for other people. I think that's a measure. I do. I I think God has given us this time in the church for us to learn some lessons. And one of the lessons I think we're learning through coronavirus is the church has struggled with this type of love. Putting up with love. Putting up with things I don't like. I, I don't see a locked in love. I don't see it. It's time for the church to step up and rise up in love through all things. Endure all things. The Bible says the perfect love always protects. Are we doing our best to protect other people? Coming to their defense. My daughter Emily, she was a young student in school. She, she's had a heart for people. She always has. That's why I know what she's doing for a living. Is still taking care of those underdogs taking care of those foster kids, making sure their homes are safe. When she was a kid, I I remember uh, young in middle school, I was substitute teaching at her school. I told this story years ago. People that have been around for long might have heard it. I remember substituting one day and uh, coming into a classroom of middle school students, and there was Charlie. First time I saw Charlie, I thought, oh my goodness. I, I came up behind this kid, and he stunk. He hadn't bathed. You could tell he hadn't bathed in a long time and his clothes were filthy. I could smell urine on this kid. I just thought, oh Lord, nobody's caring for this kid. How, how could this kid be? He's disheveled. His hair was never combed. This was actually my first day of, of substitute teaching and it was in a, a special needs class. And here I am, my first minutes being introduced to Charlie. And I started to cry. Not a good day to be a substitute teacher in your first minute you're crying in the classroom because I thought who's going to love this kid how can this kid get through middle school they're going to tear him apart they're going to eat him alive he's going to be pushed to the side and my heart broke for Charlie I said who's going to love this kid to Jesus I tried my best to show love and care for Charlie that day I did everything I could talk to him, put my arm around him, anything I could just to encourage him. And then that day, little Emily came off the bus, so excited, bouncing into the house. And as soon as she walked in, she said, hey, Charlie wants you to know he really likes you. He thinks you're a really good guy. I said, Emily, how do you know Charlie? She said, dad, I've been telling you about Charlie all year. Charlie's the kid that nobody would sit by at lunch. And so I made him come sit at our table. So Charlie sits by me every day at lunch, dad. And you know what? He doesn't have food. That's why I take extra food to school. And, and, and 
we've got a kind of a deal that nobody ever spoke, but, but I take the extra food and I just put it off to the side and I don't look and, and Charlie takes it. <laughs> that way he didn't have to ask and I didn't have to give it, but he had food. And I'm thinking, there it is. There's a kid who always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always endures in love. Friends, no political statement, no arguments. I think the church will be judged based upon its love. And we need to do all that we can do. All that we can do. Nobody's telling you what you do when you go out during your work day or your work week. Nobody here is telling you what you should do when you go into Myers or Walmart. You can do whatever you want there. But when we come together as a church, we've got to exemplify these four things. Protects, trust, hopes, and perseveres. Always all. Always all. <laughs> we pray in Jesus' name. Father God, I pray you'd help us. God, I pray that we wouldn't fail. God, I, want, I don't want our church to be like this gong. Just a noisy nothing. Doing things but not, not doing them in love. So God, help each of us in all things. To, to be loving. And God, I pray that you would guide us to be an always all protector, an always all truster, an always all hoper, and an always all perseverer. God, help us to, to think of other people in those words, in those lights. God, I pray you'd lead us in that, in Jesus' name. The band has come back up to lead us, and they're going to do a wonderful medley of songs. And these songs are kind of provoking of an invitation. I want you to be thinking about your love, your love for other people. Is there an area where you're struggling, where you're falling behind, where you've just failed? You know, we're not perfect. We all have faults. But would you pray today, during this song, would you think about what God would change in you so that you would be always all? A forever love. We got a God who showed us. Now let's live it. I'll give you time to pray while they sing. I'll come back afterward. I've got a few things to say in Jesus' name.
pray that you will be surrendered and that your love will be locked in. This week is a good week to just practice that. It should be an every week thing, but let's get out this week and do our love week projects locked in, dialed in on loving other people the way God loves us. And I pray that uh, he's speaking to you about how your relationship is with others around you. I want to remind you next week, hopefully prayerfully, we can go to 9 and 11 a.m., 9 and 11 a.m., but you got to get online. Uh, Wednesday it opens up and you can reserve a seat. There's 135 that can seat it in here, up to 12 in the viewing room. Mask are required in there. It's uh, for all times. And then we encourage you just to uh, uh, consider, if you can't do either of those and feel safe about it, watch at home. The 9 o'clock is going to be online live. And so we're changing the times up, 9 and 11. Hope to see you next week. If not, God bless. Have a good day.